I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers on the gun violence state of emergency. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Whether it's an inner city street or the latest mass shooting, everyone can agree that gun violence is a huge problem in the United States. Some even say that we are losing an entire generation, one child at a time, one bullet at a time. So what can be done? Where are we now? What can we do moving forward so that this never happens again, even though it seems to keep happening over and over again? We have assembled a panel from all different perspectives for, for you to take a look at this and really break these issues down in a calm manner so we can understand what's going on and understand what we need to do so children don't have to be afraid to go to school so that little girls can stand outside nail salons or go to the nail salon without getting shot and killed so that 13 year olds are not being pressured to join gangs and pick up guns because they face fewer criminal penalties than adults. A lot of issues around this, red flag laws, we're gonna get into all of that right now on Street Soldiers. Joining me for this conversation is Corey Pegues. He's a former NYPD deputy inspector and author, and you can see his incredible life story in a documentary that's out now on Hulu called Cops and Robbers Story. Corey, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Also joining us is Andrew Chernoff. He's the owner of Coliseum Gun Traders Limited. They've been in business in Long Island since 1979. It's a federally licensed gun store. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me today. We appreciate it. Also with us is Rashid Littlejohn. He's the founder and executive director of the Guns for Grants organization. They do incredible work trying to get guns off the streets and offer college grants to people so that they can get an education and really turn their lives around along with a host of support services. Rashid, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Lisa. We really appreciate it. Corey, when you look at the violence that we have seen, um, that we've seen nationally in terms of these school shootings, and then also in terms of the streets in our urban communities around the country, we're often involving shooters, many of whom are minors, and victims that are, are young teens and even children, what is going on in America right now? Well, again, thanks for having me. So you, you spoke about a couple of different things. I see these mass shootings with, you know, obviously three to five or more of us shot. It's ironic that since Buffalo less than two weeks ago, we've had 10 mass shootings, which that means at least three or more people were shot in an incident around America. We have a serious problems with guns in America, especially long guns, allowing people to get these long guns. For whatever reason, it, it just behooves me on why we're giving these guns. Now, the urban environment, for me, I'm actually giving the police some of the blame with this, because since George Floyd and everybody was talking about defund, reimagine, reconstruct police, police feelings got hurt. And I'm a cop. You know, I was a cop for 21 years in the NYPD. But what they did, they, they got their feelings involved, got mad and said, well, since everybody wants to defund us, we're going to give the criminals the streets. And that's what they did, Lisa. We okay, but there's a lot of police. Okay, but let me just jump in right there because there's a lot of police officers that are risking their lives every day. They've taken off uh, nearly 3,000 guns so far this year off the streets of New York, and they might disagree with you. But what we can't, what is is not open for debate, is the fact that the laws changed the regulations, the guidelines for the police in terms of how aggressive they could be or how active they could be in terms of getting those those guns off the streets. Um, Andy, when you hear this, when you see, first of all, 
your reaction to the tragedy that we saw in Texas with all of these children, innocent, very, very young children. And it seems like once again, here we have an 18 year old as in Buffalo with, a, with an, an assault rifle, something like an AR-15, I think, that, that was used. What is your reaction to that? So I have to tell you, he used an AR-15, as you said. Um, there was also, um, in Buffalo, it was the same style of gun that was used, except in Buffalo, um, the gun he bought was a New York compliant gun. No matter what gun it is, um, it's not a legal gun once you use it in a crime. So uh, what I'm saying to you is, it really doesn't matter what the gun looks like. The gun will do whatever the operator wants it to do. It's not the gun that is committing the crime. It is the operator who's committing the crime. The gun is the inanimate object. You have an automobile, which was traveling down the road at 90 miles an hour just this past weekend in New Hyde Park, New York, hit a Lincoln Town car and killed three people. Is that a mass killing? You're saying that three people get shot and that's a mass shooting. Well, that was a mass killing with a car. It's the same thing. The car was the weapon. The gun was not the weapon. It's an inanimate object that you're talking about here. You're not talking about some, you know, people don't, we don't want to place the blame on the people. We use the inanimate object and we blame the inanimate object when it comes to guns. But when it comes to cars or it comes to alcohol or drugs, we place the blame on the people on, on, we place the blame on the people. We don't place the blame on the inanimate object. And that's the problem. The operator, the operator can operate anything. You can use a car, you can use anything you want. The gun is just the tool. It's the operator operating the tool that commits the crime. Okay, um, Rashid, you work, with, you work with a lot of young men in particular. What is your mm -hmm. take on what we're seeing? Give us, can you give us like a drone's uh -huh. eye view here? I kind of kind of fit exactly in between these these uh, gentlemen. I do know that, uh, you know, the saying is guns don't kill people, people kill people or people with guns kill people. And, and I do believe that these are people who are actually doing, you know, doing these acts. But I think that there's layers to the the American social disorder that we have with violence, with crime. Uh, the perceptions that young people see on TV, the way that guns are utilized. Now, if you know, if we're talking about cars, you know, if we're talking about alcohol, you 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 don't see commercials of cars and people having car accidents, you know, unless it's for auto insurance, and you don't see uh, uh, the the violence or the lost lives. And when it comes to alcohol, it's a celebratory experience that you right. see from a youth's eye. But when it comes to guns, it's not like you only see guns on TV when you're like going hunting or going you know, utilizing it in sports. No, you see guns utilizing every aspect from the police to crime to 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 law-abiding citizens. So it allows an individual, especially where we are now with the internet, for them to kind of figure out how they want to utilize a firearm. Uh, so to me, I kind of see that it's more of a community response that has to be had. And, and that's the conversation about guns in general. It, it's, it's as bigger than economic, it's bigger than race. It's really what are these young people uh, having access to and how is that shaping their relationship with guns? You're talking about the popular culture. You're talking about the influence yeah, of the popular culture. 100%. All right, we're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about gun violence, a state of emergency in New York City for sure and in the country as a whole. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Yeah, 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 salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on our gun violence state of emergency. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining me for this conversation, Corey Pegues. He's a former NYPD deputy inspector and author. And you can see his life story on Hulu right now. Uh, it's called Cops and Robbers Story. Corey, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Also with us is Andrew Chernoff. He's the owner of the Coliseum Gun Traders Limited store. He's been in business there since 1979. It is a federally licensed gun shop. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for allowing me to come on to your show. No, we appreciate you bringing your perspective as well. Also with us is Rashid Littlejohn. He's the founder and executive director of the Guns for Grants organization. They try to give young men a new chance at life with grants for college educations. Rashid, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Let's let's talk about the let's talk about the guns the guns themselves. Andy, if somebody comes into your shop, can anybody? I'll I'll be happy to explain to you how somebody can buy a gun legally. Okay. Yes. But before I do that, I would like to talk to something that Rashid said. Okay. Um, um, he said, you know that that there are guns out there, and um, the television shows violence, the video games show violence. This is a culture which you mentioned. Um, so the guns, the firearms themselves have been involved in our society, you know, since the, the 1800s, we've had guns in our society, right? And the conversation has always been, there'll never be a ground war in the United States because behind every blade of grass, there's a gun. So there's been 300 million guns in this country for years. What has changed over the years to get us to the point of where we are? That's the question. And Rashid, you're absolutely right. We have more violence in, in the movies. We have more violence in the, in the games. Our children are exposed to more violence. The laws have also gotten stricter. What does that tell you? We have more, we have more gun violence with stricter laws than we had 40 years ago. And we had a lot of guns here 40 years ago. What does that tell you? It's not, it's not necessarily the laws that can change things. I think you're right, Rashid. We have a cultural problem. We have a mental illness problem. And to that end, just making more laws doesn't do anything because we have many laws on the books and they're not working. What we have to do is we have to take a different approach. And I think that that's what you were going at, Rashid, when you mentioned that before. Um, to buy a gun in New York State, a long gun, we'll talk about a rifle or a shotgun, um, particularly the guns that were bought in Texas are not legal in New York State. So a licensed gun dealer would not be transferring those guns in New York. You need to come in. But the Buffalo shooter, the AR-15 or AR-15 type of gun he had, he bought in yes. New York, I believe. So that was a New York compliant AR-15 style gun. Okay. So the law on AR-15s, when they make assault weapons bans, they really make them on the appearance of the gun, whether it be that the gun has um, a detachable magazine or a pistol grip or it's, it's more done on the appearance and the actual function of the gun. The gun functions the same, it just appears differently. So um, when you come in to buy a gun in our store, um, you would come in, you would present your identification, which would be a driver's license, some government issued identification stating your residency and your, um, your residency and your age. It has to prove your age. 
Which you, you have to be in New York State at least 18, right? Or 21? You have to be 18 to buy a rifle or a shotgun, 21 to buy a handgun with a handgun license in New York. Okay. Okay. All right, I want to co- I want to come back to that, and I want to come back to and, and get into the background checks. But, but Corey, let me br- let me bring you in on this because we've seen in New York City we've seen a lot of handguns, illegal handguns being used, or handguns being used illegally, as I guess is the proper way to to to, to say it. The eleven year old the eleven year old girl Kiki Tay, who was shot and killed by a allegedly by a fifteen year old. Um, in, on a scooter driven by an 18-year-old who had two open gun cases in family court as a minor. And then we see these other cases, other cases too, where it's involving many you know, young teens, underage teens. What is your take on that? Is that cultural? Is that a sign of our cultural, our, our cultural disease? No, I, I'm sticking to my guns because this is kind of easy to figure out. For me, it's kind of easy being in policing for so long, especially since we had, you got pre-postemic, you got pre-COVID and post-COVID. Pre-COVID, none of this is happening because the cops was out there utilizing the 1968 Terry versus Ohio, which is the stop in question. They were using it. Again, you got to just look at this. When did it stop? After George Floyd, the cops laid down. I'm telling you, and I know that cops put their life on. I have a daughter that's out there. I just spoke to her. I got a nephew that's out there and a thousand cop friends. But cops are not patrolling the streets the way they used to because legislators have changed some laws. But um, I don't think it's as many more guns than it was before. But three years ago, people were scared to um, carry guns because there was a high propensity that the cops might stop there was a good you chance that you would get there was a good it chance that you would get chance. stopped especially on bicycles and mopeds that was our key we were stopping them because you could stop but they don't have no license anywhere or they're riding on the wrong side of the road you stop right. and question they flee they drove throw the gun that the cops are not engaged in the community the way they supposed to yeah yeah can i jump in, in? I, I think, I think that are. that is a terrible, uh, uh, a terrible analysis about the violence and how to de-escalate it. The cops should be on the ground creating a natural relationship with the community. They, their point of engaging the community shouldn't start at a stop and frisk, you know. And and on record, that entire stop and frisk situation, there was a lawsuit and the city lost because there was a they federal, actually went. There the, was a yes. federal lawsuit. There was a federal yes. lawsuit. It was deemed to be racial profiling because, and a vast and bad policing because the vast majority of people stopped had no. They didn't have nothing on them. So it was an abuse of power that ran a lot of numbers up quotas. You had police officers coming out speaking out about it. So I, I don't want to get caught up in the weaves of those things, but it's so definitely. Let him let him finish. Let him finish. Yeah. Rashid, go ahead. I don't, I don't want to get caught up in the weeds of things. I think uh, in our communities, there's circumstances and situations that we could uh, do an analysis on that can lead to the violence that happens in our communities. No different than a mass shooting in Buffalo or in, in Texas. There's things that are a part of a, either a motivation or a conscious reality, whether it's the, uh, the replacement theory or the oppression and, and poverty and that lack of opportunities. I think that our communities are all dealing with something, but the access to the to the guns, whether it's how do we look at guns that are trafficked through state lines, what are the parameters that someone has to you know go through in order to get a get a firearm legally. I don't want it to get caught up in those realities because it changes state to state. So then what? You okay. know what you can do in one place, you can't do in another. 
our, our laws our laws simply not working. We see how they use the raise the age with the kids. You know, now the kids are being corrupted because they don't face the same penalties as adults. New York, New York State has the strict, very strict gun laws, and yet are laws the answer at all here or no? No, it's, the laws are not the answers. So I mean, I'm just speaking from a police perspective. The citizens give the cops the right to keep the community safe, but like like Andy said, like Rashid said, like it has to be collaborative. They have to work together. You know, when I was a commander of PSA 2, I had all the projects in Brooklyn, Brownsville, Crying House, Heights, East New York, and East Flatbush. I had them all, all right? But I had a wonderful relationship with the community. I had like Danny coming in, bringing me guns after shootings because the relationship that I have built with the community out there with the Lisa Kinners and, you know, all the other community people out there. And that's what has to happen. But the police need the information. They have to get out there. They got to engage people no matter what. I'm going to stand on this forever. If the police are not engaged, if we just want police to go to work, stand out there and don't do anything, you're going to have what you're having right, right now. No, exactly. Out of right. control. This, this, I, I think that there needs to be more community empowerment. I think that that Rashid, should come let's from- Rashid, let's pick up, let's pick up on that aspect because we're okay when we come back this is street soldiers i'm your host lisa evers we'll be right back hey what up y'all this is lloyd the king of hearts and this is street soldiers with lisa evers real issues real politics and real people only on hot 97 you did welcome back to this episode of street soldiers on our gun violence state of emergency i'm your host lisa evers joining me for this conversation Corey pegues He's a former NYPD deputy inspector and author, and you can see his amazing life story on Hulu right now in the documentary, Cops and Robbers Story. Corey, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Andrew Chernoff. He's the owner of the Coliseum Gun Traders Limited uh, Gun Store. They've been in business in the same location since 1979, and they're federally licensed. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here. We, we appreciate it. Also with us is Rashid Littlejohn. He's the founder and executive director of Guns for Grants. It's an organization that takes guns off the streets and offers uh, young people, young men mostly, an opportunity to have a grant for a college education and gives them the surrounding support services they need to, to make a real positive change in their life's direction. Rashid, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. So Rashid, do you feel that the this is a multi, I mean, I think everyone can agree. This is a multi. I know, but I kind of, mm -hmm. go ahead. I think everyone can agree. This is a multifaceted problem. So the, but in terms of the, the community piece, when we're talking about the urban street violence that we see, like in a Chicago, in a New uh -huh. York, in, in other, uh -huh. other cities as, as well, what do you think are some of the missing ingredients there? I think that no matter how many police you put in a community, if there's not an investment for the youth in that community to be engaged in activities, then, you know, you just have a bunch of police there trying to stop and, and over-police everybody. You know, there's many issues in our communities across the country where inner city communities or low-income communities can feel like a police state. Now, I do agree that we need a police presence within our communities, but the relationship definitely has to exchange in a different type of way when it comes to preventing guns from even coming into the neighborhood. You know, and then empowering people within the community who are on the ground every day, whether it's violence interrupters, street patrols, uh, 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 safety, safety, you know, community safety leaders to really be on the ground, knowing what the community needs, providing services and opportunities. And in Brownsville and East New York right now, how many activities are available for teens after three o'clock? 
You know, it's literally that. And putting more police there is not going to, you know, it's anything. You're kind of just waiting for something to happen to pull them somewhere. Are the police coming through with a van to take them to a PAL to learn about STEM, some to learn about do, things? Some, some neighborhoods they are. Harlem it they shouldn't are, be. It shouldn't be something. It shouldn't, if, if it this is a national all. emergency, it shouldn't be something. It, should it be shouldn't all. be a drop in the water. Corey, what, what about this idea that, you know, this, this is another big theme that's emerged from all, all of these discussions is that there's no, is, is the lack of, lack of activities, lack of supervised activities uh, for young people. Even with the, the mass shooters, we see they very tend to be very isolated mm -hmm. individuals mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, in, in their own world where it's just this constant diet, nonstop diet of, of gun violence in, in uh, vi uh, video, video games, a lot of it. What is your take about do our, our programs for youth? Is that part of the answer? Or is that just another one of these? Well, I can tell you, you know, as a commander, I had a, a bunch of programs, cops and kids, basketball tournaments, essay writing contests, softball, drumming, all of that. But this is individualized. That was me out of 76 precincts. That was me doing it. So in policing, it's top down, not bottom up, like the brother said. So that's to come if the commissioner's not doing it or the mayor, I don't even know who's running the city right now. One of them got to say, this is exactly what we're doing. But I know Mayor Eric Adams and David Banks is getting ready to thrust out this big initiative in September. I can't really talk about it. I'm part of this initiative. They're getting ready to change the way that schools and um, community-based organizations are working. And you know, with A.T. Mitchell, the street um, violence right. interrupters. The man program who's been on the show. A big program. But I think one of the solutions before we end, um, guns don't kill people, bullets do. So I'm of the mindset, let's legislate bullets. Make bullets so hard to get. It doesn't matter how many guns people buy because the Senate got 50 votes and they're never going to do anything with gun legislation. Well, that, that's what Andrew's point. But you, we, can't legis you can it, legislate bullets. Well, it, can't let Andrew, what about that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you can legislate ammunition. I can tell you that. And again, if you don't do anything on a national level, it really doesn't matter. The Buffalo shooter went to Pennsylvania and bought some of the equipment that he used to commit the crime he did in Buffalo. He went right over the border to Pennsylvania where the laws are different. And I don't think that you can legislate ammunition. Again, the laws you can, aren't- You can, Andy. Way. Remember, guns are Second Amendment. Bullets are not in the Constitution. If not in Constitution, yeah. you can okay, legislate. Hold on one second. Corey, let him respond. Let Andrew respond. But, but, but Corey, in all fairness, um, guns are not legal in New York uh, that come from outside of the state. What's going to make ammunition not legal in New York that comes from out or legal that comes from outside? You can't. You I'm can't actually talking the national mandate. And, okay, let, and, let him finish. Let him finish, Andrew. So, but you have a national mandate with the guns already, and it's uh, you know with the kind of guns that that can be sold and it's not helping. Well, what is the but what national man are you talking about these red flag laws or or what is it red flag law, and and the red flag laws have fallen down also unfortunately. Um the the buffalo shooter fell through the cracks somehow. Um I don't you know you don't know how or what happened there and I'm not pointing any fingers in any direction but he fell through the cracks. We have a people problem in this country. We have a mental health problem in this country. I, I don't care if you want to place the blame I on agree. the and you want to place the blame on the gun, I don't care where you want to place the blame. You know what? People should stand up and be accounted for what they do themselves. And we need to help our people. We don't need to try to control what they what they have because they're crying out here. The people are crying. You have an 18-year-old 
if you think back to what happened in Connecticut, that young man killed his mother and took her gun and shot up that school in Sandy, Sandy Hook. This young man who just committed this crime in Texas killed his grand or shot his grandmother. She's not dead yet, but he shot her. Who would even think of shooting their mother or their grandmother? Uh, exactly. This, is not, this yeah. is not a normal activity. This is not normal brain work. This is a mental health problem. We also have a social media problem. And who's monitoring the social media today? You can legislate as much as you want. People will still get illegal products. They'll still get illegal guns. They'll get stolen cars. They'll get stolen ammunition. They'll get, they'll get that stuff. They'll use something else. If you want to outlaw the guns, they'll take how many people get killed with machetes or get killed with hammers. I hear people all the time saying, let's outlaw the guns. Let's outlaw the guns. Let's help the people. That's our problem. I, I'm not, not, I'm not. So you're saying, you're saying it's a, pe it's a people, it's a people problem. It's a mental health problem we have. Okay, but what about some? What about some of the things? That, that there was this red flag law that somebody's supposed to be flagged so that they're not able. Is that is that like? Can you in your store right now? If somebody comes in and they have like if if, if they want to buy a long gun, are they able? Do they have to have a certain kind of a permit from the federal government? What what is the what is the actual process in New York State? Okay, so and this is back to our conversation uh, earlier. Um, they have to have a background check done. It's a federal background check. They fill out a form. We then take the information in that form. We submit it to the federal government and it ties into their database. And they come back to us and they tell us whether or not we can sell a gun. You know, one of my employees says to customers all the time, we just deliver guns. The federal government tells us whether or not we can sell them. And that's we for any type of gun or that's only for like a long gun? That's for any, that's type, for of gun. any type of gun. Any type of gun, we do a background check. Now that red flag law, if the information is transmitted to the federal government as it's supposed to be from the states, then that red flag would come up. That's why it's called a red flag law. That red flag would, would come up and that person would not be allowed to buy a gun. So you have the laws in place, you have the stopgap in place, but we have, but that doesn't work when it comes to illegal guns. Right, because there's no background check on an illegal gun. But even with these mass shooters, if the, where the guns are purchased, you know, they're they're so young, and high school. I, I don't think a high school is going to send information to the federal database, you know, federal database on on a, a troubled kid or whatever, you know, especially if he's under if if he's if he's under eighteen. Corey, what what about the what about the these background checks? What about? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the Buffalo shooter had been interviewed by the police a right. year prior. Are, the, are most of the guns sold in the United States made in the United States or because or, we, we hear of some, some you know, foreign models too? So guns are made all over the world. Um, we are one of the largest arms manufacturers here in the United States. It's one of the biggest industries in the United States, if the truth be told, one of the largest employers in the United States. So guns are made everywhere, all over the world. And then and are, there, are there more being made now than, than ever before? I, or did... I can tell you that, that, that prior to there, or since the pandemic, um, there are a, a marked number, a large number of new gun owners because people are feeling with the increase in crime that we are seeing, um, which I have to say, um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just say something which will touch on Corey. Um, with the increase in crime because of the um, 
the change in the in the cash bail laws and people not being held or being put into you know being held in jail um, with the increase in crime, more people are realizing that um, they have to be able to protect themselves because people are nervous because of all the crime that's going on. Right. And you know, I believe that you know we would all believe and like to believe that the police can protect us, but. As we can talk to the whole conversation that's been going on here, the police, the, the laws have less teeth than they ever had. 100%. They, and, and the community is um, resenting the police more than they ever have resented the police. So there's like a, they're diametrically opposed, the community and the police department. And it's allowing- well, although, the, I'll, although I'll say now, I've, I've seen the very same people that in the same community, some of the same community leaders that were talking about defunding the police right after the- the, uh, the killing of George Floyd, now talking about we want more police officers, we want more police officers. But Corey, Corey what about Andy's point about the, the, the lax laws? Because we just see with the Q train accused shooter who was arrested for the murder of the, uh, the, the 46-year-old financial services worker who was on his way to Sunday brunch, that suspect has a, a two-year open, uh, open gun case that, you know, that he, people were like, why was he even out on the streets? But again, you know, we had a pandemic. We had a pandemic. Courts were backlogged. Remember, courts have been backlogged. Right. And it's just trying to catch up. The whole bail reform, I'm not buying that bail reform has increased our crime. Because when you look at bail reform, you will see who's getting bailed up. We don't want another Khalif Browder that just sat in jail because he couldn't mm -hmm. afford a couple of hundred dollars. Right. All right. I agree. They're murderers, murderers are not being released out on jail. Okay. So let's I'm really look at right. this. Well, on bail. It's a small, small percentage. But you know, the media makes things what they wanted to do. They can tweak some of the bail reform, but I don't think that's the main issue. What do you uh, think is the what do you think is the main what do you think is, is the main issue about the, the manufacture of guns? People need the need feel they need them for their for their protection. And it, it just doesn't seem like they're, you know, well, I know, I know as a law enforcement expert, we have a gang problem in New York City. We have a serious gang problem. And I also know as a New York City executive that the police know all the gang members. You see it all the time. They talk about it. so they need to really streamline and target the serious gang. But when I was a but commander, that's what they say. That's what they say. That's what they say they're doing. But it's not equating. Because Rashid, he's so out many there of them. Gangs, he says, gangs right, it's so many. But Rashid, he knows gang members. He's out there. He lives out there. I know where I live. I know gang members. But you see the police saying taking the gang members and they're committing the so same let me get, Let me get back to them. But then it brings us. But let me bring, bring it back to the guns. We're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, yeah. What up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost. And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the gun violence state of emergency in New York City and in the United States. Joining me for this conversation, Corey Pegues. He's a former NYPD deputy inspector and author, and you can see his life story on Hulu right now in the documentary called Cops and Robbers Story. Corey, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We appreciate it. Also with us is Andrew Chernoff. He's the owner of the Coliseum Gun Traders Limited Gun Store. It's been in business since 1979 and federally licensed. Andy, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for the opportunity to join you. We appreciate it. Also with us is Rashid Littlejohn. He's the founder and executive director of Guns for Grants, grassroots 
a community-based organization trying to turn young lives around, really get guns off the streets and uh, give young people, especially young men, a chance and an opportunity at a college education and really a whole new life. Rashid, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Corey, solutions. You, you see people are rocked right now. People are paying attention and to, to even make any kind of positive change, not the whole solution, but even a dent, what would you say needs to be done? Well, from a police perspective, I think we need to strengthen the relationships that we have with the communities because the police will never be successful without the community involvement. If they're, if they're against each other, they're never gonna be able to solve things. We gotta have a strong coalition. The cops want the community and the community actually need the police. All right, Andy, in terms, of, in terms of everything that's going on, everyone's talking about solutions. There's a lot of talk about more laws, new laws, but what in your opinion from everything you've seen in your point of view, do you feel could be done to just make this, I mean, the little kids getting killed, it's just, it's just so hard, it's beyond heartbreaking. I don't even know how to describe it. What, what can we do so that we just don't continually go through this and traumatize you know, an entire generation? It is heartbreaking. I have to tell you as an industry, the firearms industry likes to see things go forward on a, in a safe manner. We do everything we can to promote safety. We give out gun locks, we, we do everything we can. Again, this is a multifaceted problem. And I will tell you that um, you need the police involved. You need everybody involved. More laws is not going to do it. We have a mental health issue in this country. And if you look at each one of these people who are committing these, these, these atrocities, if you want to call them that, um, they, all, they all exhibit a mental health problem. So I think if we could start by helping the people everything would start to roll around and the police need to be involved. The community needs to be involved. Everybody needs to be involved, but people have to, you know, we have to have people take, take the blame for what they do themselves. It's not the inanimate object that's committing the crime. It's the person that's committing the crime, whether it be a gun, a knife, a hammer, a car, it doesn't matter. And do you think there's anything the industry that could, could do in terms of you know, in terms of better background checks, in terms of, I mean, it's always struck me that I can go anywhere in the world with my debit card or a credit card. They can tell right away whether or not I can afford to buy what I'm there, you know, there to buy. Why, why not something like that for people where there's a, a, a national, national instant database? A national gun law would be good. Um, there are instant background checks, which are done by the federal government. That's who actually supplies the instant background checks is the federal government. But all the all the lower um, um, all the lower police um, presence, they all have to report up to the federal government right. in order for that to work. Right. right. The, I see what you're saying. There has to be a, a communication highway, not like a breakdown. Correct. I got you. Correct. All right. So some good some good um, good ideas from our guests here. Rashid, I'm going to close the show off with you because we're talking about the youth and we're talking about our future um, with these kids. The, I mean, it, it, it's, it's been heartbreaking. The victims and the shooters, mm -hmm. a lot of them under 15, you know, under the yeah. age of 15. What do you think? It's a cultural these, situation. You, pardon me? Oh, yeah. It's a cultural situation too. Yeah, no, definitely that. Rashid, what do you think can be done? 
I think based on this conversation, we can see how much people can get tied up in red tape or ideas, but our kids are still having access to these firearms on whatever spectrum that they're from and, uh, you know, involving themselves in some of these unfortunate realities that many young people are dying. And I think that we have to have more investments that create spaces for our kids to be seen and heard and not being able to find, you know, negative environments online that will reward them and uh, places that don't always put them in competition to be compared and contrast against someone, but just environments that are safe that can allow them to discover themselves, be seen, heard, respected, and give us some positive information and leadership. And I think that that comes with a serious community investment to our teen population specifically. And, and, and bottom line with everything and all the tragedies that have been happening and the loss of life, it's we need to do better as adults. It, it has to start, has to start yes. with that. But I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Corey Pegues, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, Andrew Chernoff, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And, and Rashid Littlejohn, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.